Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Good morning. It is Sunday, July 3rd, 2022. I'm Blaise Olson. This is Sunday Take. Well, it is July 4th weekend, and maybe you're listening to this at the cabin or you're driving to a parade, or you're driving to see family and friends. Maybe you're just relaxing. No, it is that time of year where people come together and they kind of celebrate our country, but they also, I think, decompress. And there's plenty to decompress about over the last few weeks. There's plenty to decompress about over the last few years. But even as we decompress, there's much to debate, to discuss. July 4th is about our Declaration of Independence from Great Britain, 13 colonies. Of course, the Constitution came about later, but yet we blend the two as we talk about our nation's history on July 4th, and as we celebrate freedom, terms like liberty, and of course, wearing our red, white, and blue. Just a funny kind of ironic story. A couple of years ago, I headed to the golf course on July 4th, and I had some red, white, and blue on. And A friend of mine had other colors on, not red, white, and blue. And I said, what, you know, kind of jabbed him a little, a little fun and said, no red, white, and blue. And friend said, you know, I just feel like it's been taken over by the Republican Party and I don't want people to think I'm a Republican. Well, I kind of pushed back and I said, well, I, I don't identify with a party and I'm certainly not going to let one party own the idea that red, white, and blue belongs to one party or the other. This week on Sunday Take, we'll check in with Mary LaHammer. We'll talk to Jen Schultz. She's running in the 8th Congressional District against Pete Stauber. But when we come back, what should we really think about to celebrate or to honor and to reflect on July 4th? I'll give you my take. I'm Blois. It's Sunday Take on News Talk 830 WCCO. 
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. So it was 246 years ago that the United States declared its independence from Great Britain. And as you think about Independence Day as a national holiday with our patriotic displays and our parades and our themed events, The truth of the matter is that the night before was really the key night because it was the night before that the plan was made and the document was finalized for the Declaration of Independence to be signed. And of course, there's the songs that we sing from the Star Spangled Banner to God Bless America to Yankee Doodle, and the parades. I'll be heading out to some parades today and tomorrow to watch how governor's candidates are received in the suburbs, the northern suburbs and the western suburbs, because it is a pivot point in the race for governor. And one of the words you're going to hear a lot, or a couple of the words you're going to hear a lot, are freedom and liberty. You know, Medical freedom was debated during COVID, and now it's being debated in Roe versus Wade. Some people on the polar sides look at healthcare freedom, and they look and they try to point out hypocrisy between the two sides. If you didn't want to get a vax, it was your body, your choice. But if you wanted to get an abortion, it should be your body, your choice. And and somehow those things adopted, those issues adopted by the parties are in deep conflict. Well, conflict isn't new for America because between the time in 1776 and 1789, when the Constitution was adopted by the Constitutional Congress, we had a lot of conflict. We had a conflict over whether we should be a republic, what the state's rights are. 
So 245 years, we're still figuring out democracy. We're still arguing over what freedoms we have. And that document, the Constitution, that document, the Declaration of Independence, those are the documents that govern us. But let's remember what the Declaration of Independence said. It was a simple message. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So go forth, find some happiness, live your life, and enjoy the liberty that we have here in the United States of America. When we come back, Mary Hammer on Jesse Ventura and where she thinks the governor's race is and where Minnesota's tuned in and whether or not they tuned out. I'm Blaise Olson. This is Sunday Take on News Talk 830 WCCO. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Well, it's Sunday morning, and it's time for our quarterly checkup with my good friend, colleague, Mary LaHammer, who uh, is at the cabin enjoying the holiday weekend. But she had a big interview on Friday, and I think we both look at the 4th of July as kind of the real kickoff of this governor's race, the the time where even though it's started to warm up and get hot the last couple of weeks, the governor's race, all these legislative races are in full swing by 4th of July, including a parade I'll be at later today in Coon Rapids and one I'll be at in Edina tomorrow as I watch to see the public's reactions to Governor Walls and his main challenger, Scott Jensen. Marilyn Hammer, happy 4th of July weekend. Thanks for joining me. You bet. Thank you, Blaise. So we've, you know, there's, it's not really a slow news summer with the Supreme Court decision on Roe, the lack of a special session. And I feel like you, you're an old basketball pay, per, player. You'll, you'll appreciate this. Like Walls and Jensen are kind of feeling each other out under the rim, seeing where the ball is going to bounce and who's going to grab it and what, how they're going to score. What do you, what's the, what's your sense of where this race is as we, you know, kind of go to full swing campaign mode after the fourth? Well, Blaise, you're talking like you were a big man and, you know, boxing out in the paint, but I was a point guard. So I, I like, well, I was too, but I, you know, I watched those guys cause you know, they had to make room for you and I. Exactly. So as a small point guard, I, you know, I like to look at the whole court, the whole field and the governor's race. Yeah, is really interesting. Uh, Jensen, I know, wants a lot of debates. He wants to start getting the attention, start going toe to toe. Meanwhile, Walls wants to talk about abortion restrictions and paint Jensen being not in agreement with the majority of Minnesotans on his uh, beliefs, you know, and, and he's He's had to, you know, clarify where he's at on it. But in my interviews with him, he's consistently said only exception would be life of the mother. And then I would I I brought up specifically, well, what if we're talking about a 10 year old girl, a 10 year old girl who had been raped? And he said, well, that could still fall in the category of life of the mother being the only exception. So Walls has been most aggressive 
on the offense talking about the issue of abortion, which now is front and center thanks to the Supreme Court ruling. And that's, you know, that is one of the things that I think, um, you know, I've said, I've written that the discipline of the Jensen Burke campaign, I think maybe, you know, because we follow it so closely needs to sharpen. But as candidates, you don't get that many opportunities to clarify, re-clarify before your opponent or those supporting your opponent are going to turn it into something that you're inconsistent on or you're not there on. And, And I wonder if Jensen's style of talking and making decisions as we've watched him the last four years um, puts him, I think, in a more vulnerable position on getting caught with inconsistencies, not to mention with a very boisterous and outspoken running mate. I think there's more chances they're going to conflict, which they've dealt with, frankly, really well. They say they hope they don't agree on absolutely everything. But, but I think that creates distractions for a campaign that frankly, between inflation and crime has a lot going for it. Yeah, Jensen, especially even as a state senator, and I covered him real closely there, likes nuance in issues. And that's harder as a gubernatorial candidate. And it's been hard for him to talk about his record. You know, not only has he had to explain his position on abortion, but really the most difficult issue for him as a Republican has been the issue of gun control. Mm -hmm. And that as a state senator, he was trying to see if there was some middle ground, try and have some conversations, see if there was some nuance. And that has been very hard for him. And at the state convention, he had to say, no, I'm very pro-gun. I've always been very pro-gun. And on follow-up interviews, he had to say, you know, I tried to have a conversation And it seems like there's some issues that are just really hard to have a conversation on and find some middle ground. So that is tougher because he hasn't always been real black and white on a lot of issues and appreciated conversation and nuance. And that's just real difficult in a campaign now at this level. That's a really good way to say it. Um, With regard to guns and the decision of Supreme Court on Roe v. Wade, I know you talk to a lot of, quote, normal people, as I try to talk to people who don't live, eat and breathe politics of Minnesota every day, like you and I, is it on their radar? Are they starting to tune in? Where do you think kind of your, your neighbors or your friends are at with how engaged they are at, that there's actually a gubernatorial race? And I asked because I ran into two people who definitely vote um, every cycle who didn't have a faint notion about even who Governor Walls's opponent was, even though they were undecided of whether or not they thought they'd reelect Walls. And I was, I was kind of surprised by that. But then I was like, well, you know, people kind of want to be outside. They want to get back to life after two years of the pandemic. And they know that the election's in November and they'll have plenty of time. And it, it showed me that they're kind of tuned out. I think they might be tuned out on the names and the everyday squabbles. But I do know that particularly my friends who are moms are engaged on issues like abortion and public safety and guns. They do talk about it. They do care about it. They are worried about things like carjackings. They're also worried about the proliferation of guns and if their kids are safe in school and definitely heard the Roe v. Wade and and thought about it and and talked, you know, if they had daughters, talked to their daughters about it. I got a lot of text messages from friends, you know, on both sides who who were engaged on the issue anew for sure. Well, and you and I have 
as we've covered this over the years, there's not a more personal or emotional issue for especially women, young women, and kind of as they come into their own as the voting age, they definitely come down with a clear, a clear opinion generally on it. And, uh, and I too, from, you know, my teenage daughter started to get a sense of where her friends were and how they start to think about it as well. Yeah, definitely. I think it's the first issue that I've heard teenagers talking about for sure. Exactly. No, for sure. Okay. So on Friday, I'm, I went back and watched, I'm fascinated, but something in your brain thought, Hey, I'm going to check in with Jesse Ventura. Um, and you had him on Almanac Friday and he's always a fascinating character. He's always a figure that offers something provocative. What made you want to catch up with Jesse Ventura and what did you guys talk about? Yeah, I think we're all seeking to find a unique, better kind of contextual way to talk about the U.S. Supreme Court decisions. And it dawned on me how adamant Ventura was about a nonpartisan judicial process and how he formed a panel of experts to advise him on his judicial appointments. Turns out he made more than 70 appointments to the court. As we know, chief executive presidents, governors. This is one of the biggest powers they have. And we're seeing this on a national level, but it's also very true on a state level. So I was remembering back to that and and how he approached his judicial appointments. And then I was jogging my memory on abortion and what governors have faced that. And I was reminded of the fact he vetoed a 24-hour waiting period for an abortion, that here he was a third-party independent governor. He tried to seek out some compromise and middle ground, and some of his commissioners had maybe signed off on the bill, and they thought they found middle ground. And in the end, he ended up vetoing what he saw as abortion restrictions and said, you know, he's a pro-choice person. And in our interview, he talked a lot about how he likes to empower women. And he told me a story I'd never heard before. He said in the interview that he dragged his wife to an ERA rally, that he was for the Equal Rights Amendment, and he was the one who said, honey, let's go support this. So he, you know, while might have upset some women with some of the things he said, his policies, his appointments, very pro-women. The other thing we talked about was gay rights, too. Remember, he was the first governor to institute same-sex domestic partner benefits for state employees. So I think a lot of that part of his legacy is lost. And and I know how proud he was of those judicial appointments. So that was fascinating. I didn't know how many of the other Supreme Court decisions he'd have a strong opinion on, too. We remember he was a high school football coach. So, right, we have the the prayer of a high school football coach question. So I asked him about that. And he's like, actually, I'm all for the First Amendment. But his concern is that. It's Christianity is what's being empowered more than any other religion. He considers himself an agnostic atheist at this point. So he had strong opinions about that. And then also uh, the environmental court decision. He is a huge environmentalist in our interview, shared the fact that he has solar panels all over his house, is living off the grid and is driving a Tesla and basically says, we're going to blow up the planet and ruin the world if we don't deal with climate change. This is Jesse Ventura, who's very, you know, pro-business, cut your taxes, limit regulations, but he's really worried about climate change. He never ceases to create some news, and it's an interview worth watching. And how do people go back and watch it? Yeah, you can find it on our website, tpt.org, and we will make sure to try and share that on social media, Twitter, Facebook, get that out for the folks, because it's pretty fascinating. And he does not talk to any U.S. media. He's mad at 
all American media outlets who joined a lawsuit against him ages again. So he said, this is the only place you'll see it. <laughs> well, there you go. Mary LaHammer exclusive. Um, we will put it in morning take on Tuesday. Mary, I hope you have some downtime this weekend with your family. Thank you. You too, boys. When we come back, we're going to talk to Jen Schultz. She's running in the 8th Congressional District against Pete Stauber. She's got an uphill battle, but she says that the issues of the 8th District are starting to bridge between environmentalists and advocates for mining. That's up next on Sunday Take here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Final cup of coffee this Sunday is with Jennifer Schultz. She's running for Congress in the 8th Congressional District. She's currently a state representative. She's been a leader on health care issues in the Minnesota House, and I'm glad she could join me. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for inviting me. So um, I'm going to just be frank. You know, you've been a leader in the House. You decided not to run again, and then you decided to run for Congress. I was a little surprised just because your, your influence and your impact in the House seemed to be kind of really starting to even rise further than it had the last couple sessions. What went into your thinking about why running for Congress? Why 2022? You know, I'd been serving, so I'm in my fourth term, eight years in the Minnesota House, and I have accomplished a lot in my time there. And I was very happy with the things that we were able to do and pass. You know, I've served in divided legislature my entire career and was successful in serving in that capacity and have a strong track record of getting things done. You know, we were able to pass, make huge investments in health and human services, both last year and even in this year, even though a lot of bills didn't get passed, we were able to pass a really large human services and health policy bill and a spending bill. Um, So I feel like I could, you know, I feel like I got a lot done. I wanted to pivot and I was going to focus more on healthcare reform. I had a, a book uh, in in process that I was working on, going back to my academic career, and then I was con after I announced I was retiring. I did not have plans to run for Congress. <laughs> I will just be honest; that was not on my list. But uh, many people contacted me: farmers, labor groups, Rick Nolan, who had held the seat in the past, and I had been asking other people to run, and no one would be willing to do it. And I knew that we needed a strong candidate for Congress because my opponent, Pete Stauber, was not voting for the district, the people in the district. And he believes in Trump's big lie and ultimately is a big threat to our democracy. So I stepped up and decided to run. It was, you know, a late announcement. So we've only been doing this for about two and a half months. But the response is simply amazing. It is amazing how excited people are when they get to know me and learn about uh, my credentials and expertise and skills and ideas um, to bring back to the 8th District. So it's been a really fun last few months, and I've been getting across the entire district. As you know, it's a large district. It got larger after redistricting. It's been solidly Democratic for 70 the last 76 years. Um, my opponent's only been in office his, 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 his second term. So it is a winnable district. And that's my message is that I'm convincing other people that's the case. In 2018, when it was an open seat, the DFL candidate uh, basically lost by only one point when you don't count the third party candidate who drew about 5.5 points. 
And in this race, I don't have a third party candidate. So it's going to be, you know, I would say fairly easy to run given everything that's been happening the last few weeks with the SCOTUS ruling and the January 6th insurrection hearings. So we're feeling a lot of momentum. Um, I think we're going to win and um, it might be a close race, but I think we're going to pull it out. I'm seeing a lot fewer Trump signs. We don't think Trump supporters are going to come out in the midterm. So we feel this is the time to strike and to take it back in, under DFL control. So as you think about that, and you, and you know the 8th District, and like you said, it was a solid Democratic district uh, all but six of the last 70 years. But there has been shifts, uh, shifts on issues, shifts on attitudes, shifts on feelings about mining and the environment and industry versus tourism. Um, Duluth's growth is part of that. How do you look at kind of balancing the heritage jobs of the Iron Range with, you know, the tension over mining and industry? Yeah, you know, I have a background in economics. I received my PhD, uh, like Wellstone, I went to got a PhD and I'm an academic. And I received my degree from the University of Minnesota. And my knowledge in economics, and in particular, healthcare is going to be a huge asset to serving in Congress. Because I have been talking to people and what I am going to be is I'm going to be the bridge between mining and the environment. And we, this has divided our community for too long and we just need to solve the problem. And that's what I love doing is solving problems and fixing things. And I have talked to the steel workers and I'm getting labor endorsements from the building trades, IBEW, the electricians, UFCW. Uh, we're just racking them up because Pete Stauber has taken votes against the PRO Act. He voted against the $7 billion infrastructure bill that would bring jobs to the district and uh, um, investments in our roads, bridges, our ports, broadband, which is the top three issue. People need to be able to connect to the Internet. And um, the economy is um, on the top of people's minds. And as an economist, I really hope to address those pocketbook issues and to diversify jobs. But, you know, we're, we have been successful at doing taconite mining and the news from U.S. Steel is a really big deal. Be, you know, being able to make those DRI uh, pellets that uh, most uh, electric arc, uh, furnaces are used right now to make steel. We should be making steel uh, in Northeast Minnesota. We have a really strong port that's going to be strengthened from the Biden's infrastructure bill. Uh, to be able to transport it at a reduced cost out of the port of Duluth. So we, 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 it is a priority that we bring more jobs and more people to Northeast Minnesota. And Stauber, even though he says he supports mining in the mining industry, he has absolutely done nothing to support miners or the mining industry to strengthen it. We should be leveraging Biden's Defense Production Act right now to bring manufacturing back, domestic manufacturing back to Minnesota I have many ideas that we need to pursue, like uh, leveraging federal dollars and funding the research at the NRI to investigate how we can address sulfates um, from uh, mining and new types of mining, how we can strengthen our taconite industry and make steel. Uh, I'm hoping to, I mean, I've been up to Polymet. Uh, this week I toured the Twin Metal site. I hope to get to the Talon Tamarack uh, nickel mining site to explore that. I'm trying to learn as much as possible to make informed decisions. But like I've always said, I'm 100% in support of our miners and our mining industry. 
And, you know, we need to make sure we're following the environmental process that allows mining to be evaluated in an objective and scientific manner. Um, and it is critical. Nobody wants to, p- to pollute our water. We need to make sure we're doing mining in a safe, clean way to protect our environment and water and using regulatory bodies and public input and scrutiny. Uh, but when we use a lot of these minerals at some point um, um, after we you know, get through recycling, which is really the priority right now, it's much cheaper to use re- recycled uh, copper and um, steel. Um, than it is to mine and extract some of these other minerals. But at some point, we may need to uh, extract more minerals um, from the Duluth complex. And at that point, we need to have the technology and the science ready to go. And I'm a strong believer in both science and technology. And if you really look at the impact of technology and how it's changed our lives, uh, we're just going to see more of that in the future. But we need the, we need federal dollars to invest in the science to do the research so we can do mining in a clean and safe way. My guest is Jen Schultz. She's a candidate for Congress. She's a current state representative. She's running in Minnesota's 8th Congressional District against Pete Stauber. You you said a couple things there. And, you know, in the final part of this, I just kind of want to touch on it as much. You have a PhD in economics. You look at today's economic situation. There's a lot of hand-wringing. There's a lot of political blame. Put your academic hat on. What is the, you know, when you have low unemployment and inflation all at the same time, as I said a couple of times, I don't remember this model from my economics classes. What is, what is your brain say? Of, and what are your th- thoughts on, on where this economy goes, you know, in the next six to nine months? Yeah, well, it, you're right. It is unique because we have such low unemployment um, in times when we're seeing inflation. I think that inflation will start slowing down. Uh, I think a lot of it has to do with um, supply and supply chains. And, you know, when we were in the pandemic, we maximized all of our oil reserves. So they were not producing oil and gas because the demand was so low when everyone was staying home. Um, And now they're just gearing back up. Um, And you can see the record profits that the fossil fuel industry is making right now. Uh, there's a lot of uncertainty because we're moving more towards electric vehicles. So the fossil fuel companies are looking to the future. They're not going to want to tap new drills uh, for oil if demand is going to be reduced in the future, because then those those drilling operations will not be profitable. So they're making a calculation not to drill, even though Biden is permitting more and more lands, record numbers. We're doing more oil production than we've done in the past 30 years. Um, it's really decisions being made by the uh, companies that control our oil and gas supply. So that's happening in, in that area. But in terms of food, food prices are going up because fossil fuel prices are high. And a lot of that is transportation costs. So what I, I you know, I shouldn't be predicting things, but I think inflation will s- slow. I think we're going to see uh, wages catch up with inflation um, as our uh, unemployment remains low. Um, so I think hopefully by late fall, uh, we won't be talking about a recession. We'll be talking about a healthy economy as supply chains get fixed and there's more pressure on our monopolies uh, to not um, have excessive profits um, and our oil ramps up, oil production ramps up. But um, it is very tough for people right now. I mean, people do not want to be paying $4.85 for gas Um 
But at the same time, you know, just really getting into the weeds, um, it's cheaper right now to travel a mile than it was 30 years ago because cars have become more efficient. So if you look at the bigger picture, um, but people don't think like that in those terms. They just see the, the price at the pump and it's a lot compared to their wages. So I hope wages keep going up so people can cover inflation and I hope the prices um, start um, leveling off. You know, it, it's funny you say how complicated it is because this conversation is similar, um, probably a little more in the weeds than those that'll be had this weekend over the 4th of July about fuel prices and probably many that'll be happening in the 8th district as you, you know, have hit some parades today and tomorrow. Um, you talk about federal investment and in making sure we can have, you know, alternative mining and safe mining that's going to fuel the new economy. On the flip side, we have this balance. And so, um, when it boils down in, 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 in the mood of the 8th District, what would you, as we close here, what, what would you say the mood of the 8th District is, knowing that over the last two to four cycles, it has just been kind of, you know, more divided or more emotional, I think, than the, the previous few cycles. A lot of that has to do with mining. Some of it has to do with President Trump. Some of it has to do with environmental activists. As you're out and about, what what are people saying about, you know, kind of the 8th District? Because I feel like the 8th has, has this kind of, I don't know, pride about it that people, you know, you can kind of get a sense of, of what people are thinking pretty quickly when you walk into a diner or a tavern uh, in the 8th District. Yeah, this is what I'm hearing from people and people from all different types of parties. Uh, they are very tired of uh, the divisiveness. They're tired of the disinformation and the lies. Um, and they just want to send elected officials, their representative uh, to DC to get things done for them, things that they desperately need. They don't want to hear about um, rhetoric anymore. They don't want to hear about the big lie. They're like, what are you going to do for us to make our lives better? That's what they want to know. And, you know, I have that track record of getting things done, not being out there talking about disinformation, misinformation, or lies. And um, my opponent has really done nothing, passed no significant bills, a champion no significant bills, and taken no votes on bills that really will uh, make an impact on people's lives. And I've always thought that when we invest in people, we all do better. When we invest in our communities, we will all thrive. We will all do better. And that's what people want. Just work on the core issues that affect their lives. And what this district, it is unique. It's unique because of the natural resources and the beauty. The head of the Mississippi, the headwaters of the Mississippi are here. We have the shore of Lake Superior. We have some of the best state parks and trails in the country. We have the Boundary Waters Canoe Area. But what makes it truly unique are the amazing people. The people are truly amazing. They know that for them to um, thrive, they have to help one another. And that's what you know about the eighth is that they work together. They help their neighbors get through any crisis or an ordeal. And they want someone to be their partner, to work with them, to bring in federal money, to bring the jobs here. Because at the end of the day, they want their children to be able to get educated here, to find a really good job here that pays good benefits and to have their children buy a house in Northeast Minnesota. That's what they want. 
The largest group leaving Minnesota are 18 to 24-year-olds, and we need to address that exodus. We want to bring more people to the 8th District, and we want to keep people here. And once people realize the beauty and once we can get better Internet, I think that's going to happen. Uh, But we need to bring in more federal money. We need to invest in the people and in our communities. And that means, you know, we have actually a big farming livestock community here. And I don't think Stauber's done anything. We have all the tribes north of the Twin Cities, seven tribes. We need to make sure we're finding out what their needs are, what their concerns are, and addressing those. And my opponent, Pete Stauber, has done nothing for farmers, for the tribes, really for working families at all. Well, Jen Schultz is running for Congress. I know we'll talk more along the way. Thanks for joining us on Sunday Take. When it's Sunday at nine on WCCO, it's Sunday Take. I hope you have a great 4th of July weekend. I hope you've gotten to relax. You've hit a parade. But just let's remember that it is the 4th of July that this country gained its independence. Talk to you next week. I'm Blaise Olson. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.